So once again, guys, I have not prepared an introduction. So I'm just going to say welcome to the X Classes 100 Cups of Coffee series. You're here with me, Dana, and Jeff Malik today. Um, I would say that he's my professor, but that doesn't do him justice. Well, thank you. Because he's got a wealth of experience when it comes to marketing and personal brand and success and entrepreneurship. And I'm just so excited to talk to him about it. Okay. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it too. Well, thanks. Glad to be here. Well, thank you, Jeff. Okay. So can you introduce yourself to us? I can. Um, this is my second career. My first career was private sector. I had the privilege of running a couple of successful and a couple of not so successful companies. And I think they both lend themselves very well to where I am today. Um, in 95, before many of your, your uh, audience were born, <laughs> which makes me feel old, I sold the companies and pursued a, a graduate degree uh, at Queen's University and then went into teaching which was completely un uh, unexpected, and nobody would have seen that coming, including myself, but it's turned into one of the more satisfying uh, parts of my life. Certainly from a career perspective, it's been outstanding. I love what I do, which means I'm really not working, am I? No, you're yeah. not. So, Jeff, I understand that you don't actually have an undergraduate degree. I don't make that public too often, but the <laughs> truth is I, I took courses at Laurier, and uh, a couple courses, and based on the results of those courses and my work experience, uh, Queen's made an exception and allowed me into their uh, MBA program, um, which I really, again, I admire Queen's for taking that chance because it forced them to go outside of their comfort zone. You talk a lot about sort of the school of hard knocks in your classes. Yeah. What's sort of the most valuable life experience that you've learned? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say I have a PhD in the School of Hard Knocks, <laughs> frankly. Um, never forget. Uh, never lose the opportunity to learn from the mistakes. Um, always take time. And I call it rearview mirroring, and we don't do that very well. And, and that's taking time out to examine what just happened, right? We're so busy running, running hard and looking ahead that we don't get to learn from what's behind us or celebrate what's behind us. Um, and to me, that's so very important. And in fact, um, there's evidence of that in some of the courses I teach where they actually have to do more and more reflection work. And I think that's, it, it helps settle um, all the information that you've ingested and, and makes it meaningful and relevant to you. Um, and the same happens in the, in the workplace. Uh, celebrate that which you've done, uh, learn from that which you have done, which you'd rather have not done. Um, and, and that's when you become a, an exceptionally powerful contributor to any enterprise, I think. Uh, it makes all the difference. Okay. And you like to start your entrepreneurship classes with a lecture on success. Absolutely. And what all that is about. What do you think is, I guess, the value for students in starting an entrepreneurship course with that versus finishing off with success? Um, it, it, it provides a framework. Okay. Okay, that's the most important thing. Uh, when we define success and, and we go deeper than the very superficial, I want to make a lot of money, um, the course starts to become more relevant. And the way I'm, the setup of success uh, also allows me to refer back to it throughout the course. So we talked about this in our success, dis our success discussion. Now, how does the creative workplace relate to that? How does creativity as an activity relate to success? And, and, and it should, if, we did, if I did my job well and the student invested in that, uh, the development of that understanding, 100% of what I talk about in the course then becomes relevant. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and you talked a lot about creativity in that last sentence, and mm-hmm. I know that's something you're really passionate about fostering. Yes. How does that apply within the workforce? Um, it's the, in, in my mind, it makes all the difference. Um, I can hire any student to do a good job on bookkeeping or, you know, to develop brand management. I think the, the magic comes in from their, you know, that X factor, this, the ability to come up with create, creative solutions, okay. right? The X factor, I like that. Okay, well, uh, that's not original. Sorry, I can't trademark it. No, I can't but we're on the X it. class, so I'm the, uh, Gotcha. Okay, so, but... Um, Entrepreneurship doesn't happen without creativity, okay. right? So it is that which precedes all entrepreneur activity. It's that which precedes innovation. It is the catalyst, if you will, for all that follows. So if you aren't creative, if you don't know how to be creative as an entrepreneur, well, you can't be entrepreneurial. Yeah. The best you can hope for is to be a business person, like mm-hmm. a business owner, which has to, or we call the term new venture capitalist. Business mm-hmm. owner is quite distinct from an entrepreneur, In right? In what way? Um, the entrepreneur... Uh, create something of value from nothing. They mm-hmm. invent to solu- to a solution and develop that solution and market that and introduce the world to that solution, okay. right? The business person, if we at the other end of the spectrum, is somebody that takes an existing model and simply replicates it. They might add or perfect it a little bit better, but they're they're really not doing anything new or novel uh, okay. that leads to a different type of solution set for the customer. Um, so that that's important. Uh, creativity um, in the ex- established workplace enables a company to not just be a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. I talk about that a lot in class, right? So you're the entrepreneur that launches a company. How do you sustain that creative flair? Mm-hmm. Well, you enable creativity in the classroom, you got, or not in the classroom, rather, in the workplace. And you, f- in fact, I say it should be in every job description that you will invest yourself in it, uh, by providing creative solutions to problems where there might not be a solution. So, uh, and that's an entirely different mindset for the company. Most companies will, you know, if, you, if you're daring and do something and it's a mistake, you're, you're tainted by that, right? The, the enlightened company celebrates what we call well-thought-of mistakes because you, you never have all the information to do it right. If you're truly creative uh, and, or, let's say, truly innovating to a solution, uh, man, um, Mistakes are going to happen 100% of the time. It's what you do with them. It goes back to my original comment. It's what you do with mistakes that makes all the difference, right? So I don't know if I'm talking in circle on that, no. but, but it is. It's an ecosystem that yeah. the company starts. It's successful because of creativity. It will remain successful if creativity becomes a constant activity within, within the firm. My next question is, I guess it's sort of off topic, but... Mm-hmm. I guess it'll be on topic. What are some mistakes you've seen people make when it comes to entrepreneurship and maybe developing an idea of success? Oh, boy. Uh, As a relationship between entrepreneurship and success, uh, ill-defined success. Um, If you're you're truly entrepreneurial, listen, there's no doubt money is a factor, but it can't be the factor. Because frankly, you're better off than going working for somebody else. Statistically, you're better off going and working for large company A, B, C, D, right? Um, I think the ones that are in it for the money run out of steam too quickly because they've come to the, the very quickly they realize that uh, this isn't going to work, right? They, they, they've lost that, that the allure of staying in, in, in that trajectory because they don't realize. But the ones that are passion passionate about what they do, 
Uh, they're in it for a whole, different, a whole bunch of different reasons, right? And they're compelled to stay in it because those are those reasons are they they fail to go to to go away. That's probably the number one mistake in my mind is um, the that which propels you into the entrepreneurial lifestyle. Um, others uh, sometimes you know in class I talk a lot about uh, two very important factors and and again uh, somebody who I had such respect with uh, respect for and continue to do uh, to do so. Uh, Tim Jackson used to be at the university once said that uh, it's not just knowing what you know, but knowing what you don't know. In other words, that that very definite inventory of self again. Because um, if I know what I don't know, uh, I will very quickly hire or find solutions. Sorry, solutions that get me around that. Um, I knew I wasn't good in accounting and finance. I did, and I made it. Uh, it was became very purposeful for me to better understand it. My accountant would spend a lot of time teaching me stuff that I should probably have known going in. But that's okay. I if I thought I if I hadn't done that inventory, I would have plowed right through and made really bad decisions. You actually crossed off um, a line in my questions list. I was going to ask you about that quote that you mentioned in class over and over again. Oh, yeah. I do. Well, I do because, I mean, especially to students, because you're in a place in life where this inventory changes different daily. It's always changing. And, and it's that rear view. See, there's so much, cir- uh, you know, circularity in what we talk about. Yeah. Because the ability to look in the rear view mirror and say, oh, man, I learned this today. And to ce- first of all, to celebrate it. Otherwise... I can't imagine a worse experience than being a student in a school where you don't celebrate what you've learned. Part of it's our fault because we take the celebratory experience away by beating the crap out of you with lots of work and lots of assignments and lots of exams, some of which are... Thank you for being honest about that. Well, it is what it is, right? But but anyhow, um, I think a better way, and this is being adopted by more and more instructors, is to say, we need you to look back. We need you to reflect back on what has happened. And tell us, especially when we can say reflect back and tell us the impact of that to you. In other words, make it personal. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that changes the rules of, of learning in a very positive way. Okay. Did I drift there? No, okay, I'm not okay. in a bad okay. way. Okay. No, I liked it. Okay. Um, next question has to do with marketing and not brand management, but mm-hmm. personal brand. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is, what that encompasses? Maybe how that affects a person? Yeah. Um, the short answer is any marketing course that, that um, has a heavy degree of brand uh, as part of the learning, you can apply to yourself. You are a brand. You're in the environment and business program, as are, what, 100 other students in your year. Uh, how do you distinguish yourself as a brand? Um, what do you do? I mean, activities like what you're doing right now. Uh, turn the light on a little bit brighter. You know, and again, I'm not putting down the others. Everybody's doing marvelous stuff in terms of brand development. But yeah, they are. They are. So, but you've chosen several ways to flip the switch on. This is my opportunity. This yes. is it, right? Um, doing that, things like community service, our brand enhancements. Uh, the company you keep is a brand enhancement. Um, there's just so many things, and and so if we talk about the very basic brand, it's you know, I was in the environment and business program, and I got a 92 average. Um, I call that the page one of your resume, and that doesn't excite me. Page two is where all the fun is, and that's where we determine your fit as an individual to our organization because a big part of the hiring experience should be the alignment of your values and goals and aspirations to that of the company. 
Mm-hmm. All right? Does that make sense? Yes. Um, if the company is mean-spirited and, listen, they'll pay a lot of money, but you don't get to grow and you don't get to find success under your terms, it's a it's not a good experience. You'll be it's, miserable. You, well, there you go. You'll be rich but miserable if it pays well. But, but man, I mean, the money – and, again, I say this knowing that money is important, right? Yeah. So I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, that I'm living in a hut wearing – you know, sackcloth because uh, money's important. There's no doubt about it. And I'm at the point in my life where I'm saving for a retirement that will be a nice lifestyle for my wife and I. That's important, right? Um, but how I earn that money is more important than what I do to express my passions or to allow me to live in, in, in pursuit of success is more important at this stage. That's fair. Um, from my own experience, I worked at a restaurant this summer to make enough money for school. Yeah. And the money was fantastic. Yeah. I'll be honest, but that's not something I see myself doing long no. run. It's, it, it's a tough job. Yeah, it is a tough job, but it's an honorable job. Oh, um, it is, for sure. Everybody should serve tables. I think that's probably the best experience you can get. Yeah, yeah, because you're dealing with people in a, a very exposed environment. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody should be in a capacity, everybody, I don't care what you aspire to become, everybody should have some responsibility taking care of customers. I don't care if it's retail, if it's at a restaurant. It'll help you at any point in your life. Absolutely, because then you become, you know, because you're de- dealing with situations, you become more empathetic, yeah. right? And empathy is possibly one of the most powerful tools that will turn that, again, that brand that defines you, uh, that, shine, that light shines a little bit brighter as an individual when, uh, you can be empathetic because that's one of the key characteristics of uh, good leadership. Yeah. Right? It really is. And you probably moved, as an individual, you moved much closer to being, I don't know where you are in the stage, but being a more capable leader and manager by virtue of serving others. Because at the end of the day, that's what leadership's about. It's enabling those that report to you to do their job better. And to be honest, even when you're at a table, mm-hmm. it's not so much that you're working for them, but you need their help. To make sure that they have a good experience, too. So it's all a teamwork thing as well as leadership. Uh, everything is clap- is above. I mean, the, the the catch word out now, and this one I like. Every now and then a word comes into the vernacular of entrepreneurship, small business, whatever, enterprise. Yeah. And I think, okay, fine. But the one that's got that I believe is, is the aha uh-huh is collaboration, partnering. Um, that any relationship we have, anything we do, include, and this goes back to brand and success, involves a certain degree of collaboration. It does, 100%. And we, yeah, and when we do that well, and we, when we're better at it, we get twice as much, we'll call it bang for the buck. So you said that brand management and sort of who you are is page two of the report. Yep. You know, your stats are page one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you have one page for a resume or you have, you know, 10 seconds to sell someone on you. Yeah. How do you do that? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I... That's, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I still am a student in so many different ways of yeah. the world. And um, I, I think my development of brand as a teacher has been organic. Mm-hmm. I haven't pushed it. I haven't promoted it. It just, it's there. It is what it is. I could probably have done a better job of that. I've just chosen not to. Okay. Um, because brand, way. well, brand management is, you know, if, what is um, the Holmes thing? If you build a better mouse trap, though you sell it in the woods, people will beat a path to your door. It's it's okay. it's so flawed. Right? <laughs> Holmes Oliver Wendell Holmes was not a marketer because it's not true. Um, the work I do in the classroom is very personal to me, and it's a very intimate experience with the class, mm-hmm. right? And it's something that brings joy to my life. I don't really go and wave flags about that, frankly. I I know that uh, the 
you know, I've always lived by the adage, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. Um, and so brand management, I can certainly lecture on it. I've done workshops on how to develop a better personal brand. I don't necessarily practice what I preach. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, truthfully, um, I just, and I've been told I should do a better job of that. I just choose not to, as long as I'm getting a check from the university, and as long as students enjoy the experience of a class with me, that matters most. Mm -hmm. And the accolades don't as much. I've been asked to apply for certain things and just, eh, nah, I really don't feel like it. Um, so when I talk about personal brand, understand I'm not a practitioner per se. That's totally fine. That said, um, man, uh, when you're, you know, when you're trying, you have that 10 seconds, mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of real simple things, uh, things like, uh, body language, um, being polite, being engaged, being excited about the opportunity to meet people, I think goes a long way. Um, if you, you know, you talk about basic network, networking 101, if you and I were to meet each other at a networking event, you come up and you have a good handshake, good eye contact, and introduce yourself with excitement as opposed to, hi, I'm Jeff Malik type of thing, monotone, mm -hmm. it makes a difference, okay. right? Um, the more you know about the people that you're engaging with is also powerful. Um, you know, if you come up and say, geez, uh, Jeff, I've heard about your class, blah, 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 and let's pretend that there's some good things happening there and you throw those let's out. Let's pretend. Let's okay. pretend for a wee moment. Um, I think that will endear me to a conversation with you at a much higher level than, hi, I'm Dana, let me tell you all about myself. Right? Does that make sense? I've met a couple of those people. Well, and listen, it's in a networking event or an artificial environment like a networking event, you think it's all about pitching out. But good brand management is me asking questions of you so that I can introduce myself in a way that's more important to you, right? It's always good brand, good marketing, good strategies about listening first and speaking second. So going up and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Jeff Malik at the, from the University of Waterloo, um, you know, and asking some questions about the individual, which hopefully are planted because I've done my homework and know enough about that individual to say, I understand that you run company XYZ. Listen, I'd love to ask blah, blah, blah. If, do you mind if I just ask a question about blah, blah, blah? And um, the fact that you've done some research and or that I've done some research in this scenario and, and ask questions that are poignant. And if I look like I'm excited to learn, uh, I think I've done my brand a lot more good than if I went and say, I'm Jeff Malik and give you my elevator pitch. That'll come. That'll come. If I... If I form this relationship out of curiosity and respect, the person say, well, tell me a bit about yourself, right? Yeah. Let me know a bit about yourself. Um, I remember once we did a uh, networking event with the Chamber of Commerce. This is when I was up at the Conrad Center. Mm -hmm. And a young student from, who was just here from China, uh, English second language, not great, you know, challenged with, with English, but went to this event and I got emails from people saying how much they enjoyed meeting this student because she was so engaged and so interesting and interested in them. So, hi, I'm, I'm just here from China. Tell me about your company. I'm learning about it. And they would give a story, and then they'd ask her and find out that she's more interesting than they are <laughs> by virtue of her travels to yeah. get her to the University of Waterloo. Um, and it's just that, as opposed to if she walked up and said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and, you know, there goes the push. So I think at the end of the day, um, and it's hard sometimes, especially for an introvert, but, but being genuine is powerful. I think people that, uh, you know, my brother is so good at that. He's just always interested and always, I mean, he's got such a cool life, but he's always interested in the little nooks and crannies of other people. And I hear him, so tell me about, I'm just so interested about that. And people want to share that story with him because he, he's leaning on the edge of his chair and asking and yeah. committed to asking that good question. 
and interested in the answer. He's listening, actively listening. So does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I found yeah. just in my own sort of DX class and mm-hmm. the interviews that I do, people are so, they like talking about what they do. They like sort of sharing their two cents because, yeah. I mean, otherwise, if you have all this experience, I guess, and then you keep it to yourself, it's not as fun. Well, and part of the temptation is, as we're talking, I'd like to ask you questions, but I can't because of what we're doing here. So, Dan, tell me a bit about this. You were about to say, you know, um, that would be a natural thing, is to make it very conversational, but we're kind of in a canned environment in this little box called a recording studio, so. What can you do? What can we do? So, those questions will come later, I'm sure. So, okay, the X class is kind of my secret weapon to meeting people and to getting myself out there and also introducing myself and getting to know other people. I love it. And enhancing your brand because you leave a favorable impression because you're doing this work and you're sharing what you think is important information. And just by virtue of... because I bring cookies. Well, you know what? I didn't want to mention that, but yes, you bought (laughs) cookies and tea today. So it's all good. But it's still 100 cups of coffee, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, sorry. And I'm a coffee drinker, so this is a bit of of fish out of water for me. But but Dana said, I brought you cold tea because it's 100 degrees in this little recording studio. It's really warm in here. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, there you go. It's not as fabulous as you guys think it is. But Jeff, you were gonna say something, Mm -hmm. and then I completely cut you off with my cookies comment. I don't know what I was gonna say. Great. Okay. So Um, how about no? That was my bad. A moment of pause here. Okay. Okay, I'm done. I still don't remember. Well, we were talking about brand. We were, and then I said that it's not as fun if you Mm -hmm. don't share your sort of stories and your experience and your two cents. Mm -hmm. And then you were gonna say something about. Okay. Well, <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. I, this is going to be edited out, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, maybe little tidbits won't be. Okay. There you go. This way we seem honest. Okay. Well, you get that. Okay. Question then. Uh-huh. What does success mean to you? You know, it's funny because um, if you recall back to our first class, I actually showed you Jeff at 55. Yeah. Right? Now it's got to be changed to Jeff at 56 and the clock ticks. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, but that was actually a, a very frank assessment, um, what is important to me. And I showed you Jeff at 20. And the thing about success is it's never fi- final. It's never mm-hmm. permanent, right? So Jeff at 25, if you recall, was quite different. Um, I'd say much uh, more superficial than Jeff at 55 or 56. Um, and maybe that self-actualization, although I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm getting closer to it. Um, I think I've been blessed with a thousand good experiences and and the support and love of of family that surrounds it to change my perspective on things in those uh, 20 odd years or 30 odd years so success to me right now is uh, making a difference in very very small bite-sized ways right if I'm in a classroom and somebody comes up afterwards and, and ask a question or says, can I talk to you a bit about, or whatever it might be, um, or that success thing was, was helpful to me. Um, you know, there's no better job on the planet from a job satisfaction perspective than teaching because you see the light bulbs going off all the time, yeah. right? Assuming that we're, doing a, we're living up to our responsibilities as instructors or teachers. Um, but it's, it's absolutely joyful because... Again, as you've heard in class, number one job satisfier fire is uh, the feeling that you've made a difference or you've contributed positively in, in an important way. And there's 100 bodies in that room that are some, again, some are choosing not to be, but, um, but the, most of them are choosing to be influenced by what's said and being affected by what's said. And how cool is that? Right. So I'm I'm in a very happy space from a success perspective. 
every now and then the private sector kind of, uh, or other administrative responsibilities. Uh, but I think that's, I don't know, at this stage in the game, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the ride. I really am. Uh, it's a fun place to be, and Waterloo's a great employer. Um, they kind of allow me to do the thing I do. If I have questions, they have great support. The Center of Teaching Excellence, for example, some of my comrades, if you were colleagues um, that teach, are great go-tos as well. A number of whom I consider to be coaches and mentors over my time here at Waterloo, and they continue to be great support. So you're never too old to learn. Good. Okay. Um, one last question, I guess I'm curious. You said mm -hmm. that Jeff at 25 was a little more superficial. and Yeah. Um, I remember you mentioning that you got pretty burnt out at one point. Yeah, the retail store. Yeah. Uh, clinically burnt out, like by definition. What are sort of the the signs of that? Because you mentioned that one was that, you know, you're on coffee all the time. What were the uh, others? I'm really curious sort of. And it wasn't really the coffee. I think that was not a cause of it. That was or Like more, that's what you needed. Um, the, the inability to actually take a step. Oh, my God. The feeling of hopelessness that today... I have a thousand things to do, and I'm probably not. I'm going to probably finish the day not having done one of them. But I'm going to wake up tomorrow with a thousand and ten things to do. Um, that, what's the point of getting out of bed? Um, there is actually, again, I think I mentioned in class that there are ten symptoms that will help you identify burnout. Yeah. And, and I pretty much nailed nine of them. I don't remember what the tenth one was. That wasn't applicable. But what are uh, a couple of them? I, you do know you what? Remember, I, I truthfully don't. I, I can actually close my eyes and put myself in that feeling of what it was like. Um, uh, just the, the, the walls, you know, the, the walls with the spikes uh, mounted oh coming at you. Oh, yeah. listen, it's not, it, it's not bad. People... It just, it sounds like a, a nightmare. Well, it, it was. Um... The feeling that, oh man, I, the feeling that, and I wasn't alone, but this is, you know, and maybe it's more of a, of the inability to delegate at the time. It wasn't that I wasn't willing to delegate. We had no resources to delegate, so I had to do it all myself. Mm -hmm. um, but you're tired. Um, you're, you're like a noodle that's been dipped in water. You're just, you're limp. Your whole attitude is limp. Um, people come into the store and instead of being excited about the potential to sell them, you think, oh. Here we go again, right? Because in life, rejection far out numbers, you know, re rejection in a sales capacity, you're not going to sell 100%. You're not going to sell yeah. 50%. And when that selling 20% eats away at you, the 80 that got away eats away at you, and you don't reflect on why they got away or what did you do wrong or what could you do better, all you do is dwell on their departure, um, you're in a really bad space. And I was there. Uh, we were, you know, cash flow was a problem. Um, I don't know, conditions were, were conducive to, you know, I was working, going to Toronto in the morning to pick up supplies from, you know, from our vendors and getting back by 10 o'clock in the morning and having staff that needed better coaching than I could give them because I didn't have the horsepower. So you feel that things are, are bad and getting worse and you don't know what you can do to pull yourself out of it. Um, that's, that would be the, the feeling of, of burnout at its core. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's it is it's sad um, because it didn't need to happen. And again, it's one of those in retrospects. What would I have done differently? Yeah, there's a right. list of a, many many items on that list that I would have done differently. But that's part of the growing up thing, right? Yeah. What have I experience. What have I done with it since I've used all? I, I used the experience and the feeling of of that part of my life to ensure that my decisions prevent that from happening again. Okay, good. Again, back to what what you know, learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I guess the reason I asked that was because so many students read this mm-hmm. or listen to this now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something really important to us is knowing sort of where to draw the line when enough is enough. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, and, and sometimes you're trapped, right? Yeah. I, was, I was trapped in that experience. And, you know, since then I've, I've seen it coming. And you and I, have, you, you know, we talked a bit about a workplace experience. And I got out before I was trapped, and uh, so I'm, I'm much more aware of it. And I might have, I mean, there's been several points along my journey uh, since uh, 97 where I saw myself maybe getting wedged into a corner that I was not comfortable with and pulling out and getting back to what, what I'm passionate about, what I love, and what I'm able to do, right? I think working outside of your, you know, there's one thing to stretch in and to grow and stretch into a job and get better at it. But if you said, Jeff, I want you to go and run a 100-meter dash in 9.9 seconds, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to try because we know that's not going to happen, right? Yeah. And so it's determining what's beyond the capacity. And, and I don't mind when people make a promise and have to grow into that promise if it's possible, if it's just on the outer edge. But when it is beyond any potential of happening, I think there's a, the feeling of hopelessness really is, is that feeling that kind of weighs on your shoulder. I just don't want to be hopeless. I, I, and so many people are in unfortunate positions of hopelessness or helplessness in their job. Um, and it's, it's sad. It's the exact opposite of what we should aspire to have happen to us. Okay. Um, before we go, is there anything you want to add? No. Um, I'm pretty much, everything that's in my head's pretty much been spewed out and captured. Listen, it's, um, it, I, I guess, you know, we talk about good moves. And and I think, let's go back to the success thing. Let me just reiterate. When you've spent time at your young age, uh, defining success, deeper success, and it's not something that you, you know, in the class, unfortunately, the artificial, the artificial nature of the class is in 10 minutes, write your definition of success and then develop the criteria. But I say that can't be enough. You've got to go and ponder, you've got to savor and really go into that which defines who you are. Once you've done that, don't put it away. Every decision you make, everything you do should be, um, should be defendable by your definition of success. I'm doing this because here's success to me and this makes sense. And I think if you do that, you'll make much better decisions. It's the same as strategy, right? Success and strategy. A company that develops a strategy, understands and does a good job of it, not the superficial textbook thing, but a really good deep understanding of what strategy means to them. When they do that and they're faced with an opportunity or a threat, they'll make a better decision as a result. So it's nothing different than that. Okay. But in my mind, it's infinitely more important. How's that? That's fantastic. Okay. Um, I want to say thank you, Jeff, so much. I don't know how we're doing for time. But so to recap, guys, make good decisions. Respect yourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Give yourselves a pat on the back when you deserve it. Yeah. You know, don't minimize, don't sort of trivialize your successes because what you do and who you are is so important. And I want to say thanks for listening. Thanks, Jeff, for coming out. Oh, it's a pleasure, Dana. Thank you for the invitation. I loved it. I'm glad you sat down with me. I think that good. we all stood to learn something. Well, good. And thanks for the you. tea. This is actually quite good. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, guys, this is compliments of the ENV, the Environment Coffee Shop. Not compliments, but yeah, they you, made it. You paid for it. That's okay. But listen, don't buy the cookies because they're mine. Okay. Yeah. Deal. The the yeah. Norris Bakery cookies are mine. Do not buy them. They are the best. Now, Dana. Sorry, they suck, guys. They suck. They're horrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tune in next week for the next 100 cups of coffee segment. 
This was Dana with Jeff Malik, and have a fantastic week.